You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com. Um, a lot of a lot of things to know to run for office, and, and you're probably going to leave here with a lot more questions than you came with because everything leads to another question. We've got some really really good information. Our videos through our training site lpin.org. I highly encourage you to go watch them if you haven't. About three hours total length, and then we're going to add this. In planning this workshop. I wanted to try to fill in some holes that were in that material and not rehash everything because we have that archive for use. And that's why I brought Kelly in to do the activism. Uh, we're going to have uh, Ryan come up and give us a little bit more in-depth on, on the press from a little bit different spin than what you're probably used to. And uh, myself, I'm going to, going to uh, show you what resources I used and how I planned my campaign for county council office in 2010 and uh, uh, show you the techniques and the tools that I used uh, that you might be able to use to plan an office. Now, it was county council. Um, when it comes to federal level offices, ask me in a year and I might have some more uh, experience there because in addition to uh, being the vice chair, I'm also a campaign manager for Andrew Horton in the back where he's been for U.S. Senate. Um, Modern politics comes down to technically called political science, but more or less it's marketing, uh, marketing to the masses. Uh, the parties have their own faithful and their own part of the spectrum that they play to and play against the other side, but basically it's marketing. Develop a, an image, find the people to support that image, and get them to the polls. Uh, they're able to develop what they believe an appealing brand. If you look at the Republican primary now, you see four different iterations of what different Republicans feel an appealing brand is. But they have a ready-made audience. People expect them. They know what to expect from a Republican. And they're not so sure about us, though. Um, they research what the public wants, what they fear, what they're doing continually, continually. Uh, there are a number of databases out there, and even though I have asked the Republicans to remove me from their phone bank no less than a dozen times, they still call me and want my opinions and want me to give them money. You ever want to? You ever want to be a thorn and cost the Republican Party money? Give them twenty dollars. I gave them twenty dollars <laughs> four years ago, and I've probably gotten a hundred pieces of literature and twenty phone calls from them asking for more money. They've easily used that twenty dollars up. And then on the other hand, when the polling companies poll the public about elected officials, for example, this data I'm going to, I'm going to uh, spew off here is from two years ago. Uh, this mostly is from Rasmussen polling. I, I like Rasmussen the most, and Rasmussen is very libertarian-minded. 61% of the public surveyed said cutting spending will create more jobs in Obama's $50 billion program. 61% had common sense to know that cutting spending would create more jobs than the, buy the bailouts. 62% said no matter how bad things are, Congress can make them worse. 68% favors smaller government and lower taxes. Right there, they're saying they're libertarian. 
Seventy-five percent say Congress should cut its own pay. Only 30% said U.S. headed in the right direction. So if the people are polled and are saying this and they are in our camp, why aren't they voting for us? Why aren't we winning? I think there's a number of reasons there. One, a lot of people still don't know, still don't know we're here. Two doors down, I knocked on their door and said, would you mind supporting me for county council? I'm running as a libertarian. Libertarian? Are you one of those New World Order people? Serious, serious. Did not know what a libertarian was. Um, so we have to approach how we do things differently. We don't get the free press they get. We don't get the repeated validation from being run in a primary. Um, and we have to work harder at it. They get money for special interest groups. We don't. A lot of their money is spent on buying activism and buying marketing research and buying pollsters and hiring people to go out and go door to door. Um, I've heard that Senator Luger has made almost a half a million phone calls. His volunteers, they're not volunteers, has been tracked back to a marketing corporation in Arlington, Virginia. He has very little staff in Indiana. But he also has like six and a half million dollars. One well, of the most important parts of your campaign is you want to get a hook in with the voter. Just as I said it was marketing, voters are going to accept you or reject you if they don't know anything about you within the first minute. It's a commercial. You've got one minute to get their interest and get their attention. You need to find common ground to continue that. So you need to know... First of all, you need to find what your message is. You need to find out what's important to you. I suppose I should bring this up. Um, what is it you're in this for? What do you want to do? What is your strengths? What are your interests? A lot of candidates have sole issue candidacies, which I don't recommend. I think as a libertarian, until we have a base, we really can't run on sole issue campaigns like decriminalizing marijuana. Um, we might think that we can pull that 20 or 30% of the marijuana smoking public to the polls, but we found out through experience last year that that doesn't work. Uh, they forgot to go vote, right? They forgot to go vote. They stopped, they stopped at 7-Eleven and didn't continue on, unfortunately. And it is quite unfortunate because a lot of these races are, are, are decided by very few numbers. In the district I ran for county council, there were 16,000 registered voters. The winner won 30, with 3,000 votes. 3,000 votes is all people that elected in, in a constituency of 16,000 voters, 3,000 picked the county council. 3,000. In our municipal elections, we see 17, 18, 20% turnouts. So it's even worse. The presidential elections historically are the largest turnout, and that's what's coming up. Um, but you need to refine your message, and it's not something you should you should just say, I'm I'm for ending the wars, I'm for decriminalizing marijuana. You need to look at the people you're going to be talking to. And I highly recommend, highly recommend, get out, and I don't care if you're running for federal office, get out and knock on a dozen doors <coughs> and sell yourself to a dozen strangers and see what they say. Um, if everybody I talked to when I ran got up and voted for me, I would have won. I hate the parties, you can put signs in my yard, here's 20 bucks, but they didn't show up. 2,300 Democrats did not show up to that election because they had no, 
no iron in the fire. There were no Democrats running that election. They didn't show up. And I tried telling every Democrat, and I did focus on Democrat homes and swing homes, that if they didn't go to the poll, there was no Democrat in the race. It was myself or a 20-year incumbent, that they were essentially voting for a Republican, but they still didn't show up. So it's important to develop your message to get your foot in the door with them, to get their interest, so you can go further from that. I've given my candidate the, mess, the, the task that he has to sell himself every issue he wants to talk about. He's got to sell it in a minute. And then he's got to have a three-minute version and then a five-minute version. Uh, we're still working on that. <laughs> Second that motion. Um, you need to find out what's important to you because you're going to fight and be more enthusiastic about issues that are important to you, of course. Um, what are important to the voters? What are important, what's important to the constituency? What the voters want and what you want may not be what is needed for my county council district. You also need to consider that you need to have different messages for different voters. You walk up to a house that you know is a hardcore Democrat, and I had this happen to me, you really should say, I want to cut taxes. I actually had that happen. I gave a lady a flyer, and she says, oh, that's okay, I vote straight Democrat, and gave me back the flyer. And I said, ma'am, there's no Democrat in the race, you're voting, but you don't vote. You vote a straight ticket, you're actually going to you know, enable a Republican to win. And she says, okay, well, let me look at it. What are you going to do? And if you look at my flyer, you see the top thing is cut taxes. She hands it back. She goes, I like to pay taxes. I want to pay more taxes. I'm a teacher. I'm an official in my union. And I said, thank you very much. And I went to the next house. Um, so you need to consider different messages for different types of voters. And we'll talk about that in a minute, too. And as importantly, understanding libertarian principles. Um, we have some good guidelines there. I'll uh, bring it up here. On the disk I gave you, all of the information that Chris said that was uh, in the zip file is on that DVD that I gave you. I had extracted it to it. I put this note together a while back for our Libertarian Legislative Think Tank, and I went and expanded. I was working on this presentation yesterday. I expanded it yesterday. We'll try to get it up on the website here. But basically, I just went through and hit our key points, our, our key premises of what we're here for as libertarians. Uh, more freedom, less government. That's the easiest way to get in the door. Who doesn't want more freedom and less government? Um, our purposes and principles from our bylaws. And then the LP Statement of Principles. And then there's a fellow named Maurice Mateen. He's from New Zealand. He's here in the United States now, and he's got a simple accountable legislation test. So proof of problems legislation seeks to remedy actually exists. And then I condensed it down here at the bottom. And this is on your disk as well. Um, I encourage you to review this when you're thinking about issues for your local and for your campaign. And then applying it and, uh, in other, other ways, and I'll get to that in a minute as well. You're going to be asked, you're, you're going to be blindsided by issues that you didn't think about. Um, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so it's a good, good thing to know these principles so that you can fall back on them and apply libertarian principles on the fly to issues that come. Uh, the very last one that I like, and I, I really think to me this is what libertarianism is all about. When all else fails, apply the golden rule. 
Ron Paul, I got booed in South Carolina for saying a foreign policy of based on the Golden Rule. I like to have a domestic policy based on the Golden Rule. Really would. But to me, that's that's libertarianism, as simple as it gets. The Golden Rule. And then human nature. I went to a, a training class with a guy by the name of Mike Rothfeld. Uh, he put on a, an eight-hour class for activists called Real Politics, and it's on your disc as well. He's been a 20-year activist. He owns a political marketing company that does the phone calls and does the mailers. Very sharp man. In the political world, there are three types of people. Saints, sinners, and salvageable. The saints are you all. People we can count on helping us out. The sinners are the folks that don't like us and will never be turned to libertarianism. The salvageable are the people that have an open mind and, may, and are not, certainly aren't saints or sinners, but people that, then that's really our target. Those are the people that we need to bring to the polls for us. As I said, I went on to the next house. I have tried, and I know a lot of people here have tried, very hard with a sinner. Um, and the time it takes to beat your head against the wall with someone whose opinion you're never going to change, you can go out and you can find five or six more salvageable people. Um, it doesn't pay to spend a lot of time with people that you don't think you're ever going to switch. Um, the populace, uh, there's a theory in mathematics and in nature called the bell curve, distribution curve, like so. 80% falls in the middle, 10% on each end of it. The political spectrum is that way in the United States. There's a, a survey I'll show you here in a bit, but your far right and your far left make up 8 to 10% of the population. Everybody else, the 80 other 80% are right in the middle. Um, something I never heard of before that Rothfeld brought up was the Red Fox 4 method. And by the way, my presentation here should be on your disc as well, too. And if not, I'm going to put it, we'll put it up somewhere where you can get to it. The Red Fox 4 method of judging your fights. Scale each of these four questions, plus 10 or minus 10. Win or lose, by getting involved, do you add people or money to your organization? Win or lose, do you help your friends or allies? Win or lose, do you hurt your enemies or your allies? Win or lose, what's the value of each fight for each side? And you add it up. And this is... If you want to make a fight in your local community that's going to destroy the chances of a every other libertarian down the road, this is what you should be using. You, yes, you have the right to run your campaigns well as you want within the boundaries of our, of our criteria and our principles, but also think that we're here to build for the future. Do we really want to destroy the chances of any libertarian down the road? As well as... Do you want to pick a fight that you can't win that's going to destroy your campaign? Pitfalls with your messages. Um, a lot of people, when you knock on their door, they're going to say, I don't care about world peace. I don't care about the United Nations. Or, as I found out when I was campaigning in Indianapolis, a lot of people there, down there don't care about the Second Amendment. <laughs> And uh, you need to, uh, once again, 
be ready for a different message for different folks. Be ready for folks to uh, discard your message. We have tools to find out uh, if you're doing good doing door-to-door canvassing, uh, what type of voter lives in the house. We have a lot of data tools, actually. Um, and pitfalls, like I mentioned, you don't want to pick the wrong fight. You don't want to take on the most powerful political boss in the county. Uh, when you have very little going for you, um, wait to a better time. Uh, there's this thing called the art of war. You only start a battle that you know you can win. But you don't want to box yourself in with a message. You don't want to make it so that you know you're stuck. So I'm going to cut this county highway department by half and then come back later and have to recant that. Um, a lot of times, you know what we do? have to change our stance on issues depending on maybe a misunderstanding uh, or a change in sentiment as far as uh, you may not have had all the information. Uh, and other times on your message you don't want it to be too specific as well as too vague. If it's too specific, once again you box yourself in. Too vague, the voter will say, well, you know, do you really know what you're doing? You need to be flexible. Um, your opponent may issue a press release or a new issue might come up during the, the campaign that you can make, you can apply libertarian principles to and make a press release. And you should. You should be ready for those. Write letters to the editor. Um, make, make these press releases to counter your opponent or if you anticipate an issue, preempt your opponent. Beat him to the punch with a press release. Um, in doing my research, um, well, first of all, I should give a little bit of my background. I, I come from a non-political background. I was one of those independents who hates politics, who voted for a lot of libertarians, as is none of the above vote, and was disgusted with politics. I turned my TV off about 10, 12 years ago. Uh, local newspaper is crap. And uh, driving down the street, I saw Ron Paul sign a telephone pole. Actually, about 30 of them. And the third day, driving to and from work, I looked him up, and here I am today. Uh, right after the Ron Paul campaign, I got involved with Andy Horney, worked for his governor campaign for a short bit at the end there, and then Spangle got his hooks into me, and, uh, and, and then Sam, <laughs> and here I am today. Um, but I bring a different philosophy from someone that spent a lot of time in a party, and a lot of my friends and family are still fence setters. Uh, still apolitical, still hate politics. Um, I work as a contractor in the UAW trade shop. I'm an outsider. Um, I have been on site for six years. They've been my customer for 20 years. Very hard environment for a libertarian. Very hard environment. However, I have three of them sign Ron Paul's ballot access signature. Four of them said they're going to vote for him. They passed the hat for me when I ran for county council and collected 200 bucks for me. So just because they're in a union doesn't mean they're diehard Democrats. They don't have some common sense. Um, get to my... If you go to... Uh, like Jerry Titus... Jtitus.net. This is not active, of course, now because my campaign's over. 
Uh, you can log on here with the, you go to this web, this address, and it'll ask you for a login. If you log in guest, guest, you'll find it. And anything you find on here you like, you can steal. <laughs> but I, I pick my issues. One thing that uh, has happened in Howard County, instead of cutting government, they maxed us out at all of our tax levies. The Republicans led the fight there as well, actually. And after becoming uh, knowledgeable in Austrian economics, the more the government takes out of our pocket, the less money we have to spend. We want to jumpstart our local economies. We need to cut our taxes. Eh, I didn't take it, did it? You contact your system today, I don't know. <laughs> I know what it is. Cap locks, Jerry. <laughs> I won't tell you I work on computers for a living. <laughs> when I started researching the taxes, I went down and, and um, I have had very good luck with my elected officials in Howard County. My county assessor, my county treasurer, the county treasurer sit down with an hour and with me for an hour and a half and explain the levy process and the budget process. Um, they've taken us to Max Levy. Uh, a, a dentist office just down the street from me. His property is valued at three thousand dollars. I'm sorry, four hundred thousand dollars, and he pays almost uh, eight thousand dollars a year in property taxes. Uh, they're killing us. And on the other hand, they give huge, huge tax abatements to companies coming. The latest was a guy that was going to start a fish farm. Ends up, it was a scam. And then there was another guy that was going to start a windmill part manufacturing. It was another scam. They were going to give this last guy $2 million in tax abatements before they found out he had no history in it whatsoever. So I picked my issues. I'm going to announce. It's on the flyer there. Cut taxes across the board. I wanted to cut taxes 10% a year. Of course, being a sole vote, vote voice in the county council, I probably couldn't have alone, but I was going to present a budget was cut across the board by 10%. Um, you don't want to pick out too much, particularly depending on the level of office. People are going to expect more from a federal office like Andy and Rebecca. There's a lot more issues there, a lot more complex. We're going to ask a lot more. County Council, limit your issues. Taxes, devise and oppose in personal income and property taxes. I think, I, I, I think every libertarian, should that should be their top issue. I'm going to cut taxes. And that's the best way we can do it. Stop taking money out of our pockets and get our economy going. Jobs. Howard County, same thing. Cut taxes, increase jobs in Howard County. We're losing our local businesses. Doctors are not located in Howard County. They're going to Tipton County. Or they're not coming there at all. Um, and then transparency. One of the things that got me involved in my county government was all of the rumors that were going around. There were several million dollar settlements that the county government made with unknown persons 
for unknown amounts, for unknown reasons, because they were all sealed by the court. I want to know more about my county government. Well, started digging into it, and there's not a lot on their website. And I found this website, sunshinereview.org. And they rate county governments and state governments for transparency. Now, Indiana gets an A. Concealment? Well, the thing is, is that they get an A, they have everything that they require them to be out there, but it is so much and is so buried and so obtuse to find, you really, I, I don't think that any one person could do it. Um, but I went to my county, get there, the Wi Fi still. My county rated a D minus in transparency. They don't have the contracts. They don't have any lobbying connections. A county county uh, uh, council can hire lobbyists for the county council, and they do. So one of my issues was increased transparency in county government. Um, and then annexation was a big thing at the time of my campaign. Wasn't a lot I could do about it, but it was a big issue. And I was against it. I don't know if you follow the annexation travails here in Indiana, but the municipal governments have a leg up on the whoever they're trying to annex. So there was three issues there that I really didn't have to go out on a limb for. Common sense, everybody, a lot of people want the taxes cut. A lot of people want more people want to know what's going on with their government, with transparency. This website, if I can ever get it to work right, has a whole list of things that you can do to make your county more transparent. Um, so I developed my message, my, my platform, so to say, for what I was going to run for office on, and then spot my flyers and uh, hit the streets. Now, I didn't get started very early. I didn't start until mid-September. I was going to be a paper candidate, and I happened to go to a city council meeting where they went to maximum levy in the meeting. They approved their budget, approved their maximum levy request. And I must have screwed up my face because one of the city councilmen who I know, who happens to be the guy that called me about Kelly defacing his property as manager of the Ivy Tech facilities, Mike Karakoff, is a state rep now. He followed me out in the hallway. And he said, Jerry, he said, I want to make sure you understand what we've done here today. And I said, Mike, I understand. You're a Republican and you raise my taxes the most you can raise them. You increase the budget. But we had to. We don't know what it's going to be like. We don't know where the GM money is going to come in. I said, Mike, you know hard times are coming. You know we've lost jobs. You should be cutting government. And we debated a little bit back and forth. He goes, you're running for office, aren't you? And I said, well, I'm on the ballot. He goes, you've got old Dwight scared senseless. <laughs> Dwight sat on the council for 20 years. He stepped down to run for commissioner. He's director of personnel at Chrysler. He announces all the basketball games at the high school in the middle of his of his district. His wife is principal of the high school. He's got name recognition out the wazoo. 
Why is he worried about a little old libertarian who's never run for office and not done anything? So I went back and looked at the primary numbers. In the primary, only about half as many people voted in that primary as voted in the previous. And a Tea Party candidate had knocked off a 24-year incumbent in the primary. So I thought, I'll give it a shot, and started building my website in the middle of September. Now, you want to do your homework about your audience. Who is it you're going to be selling to? And like I said, you know, there's 80% of people in the middle, um, and you want to have your message palatable to them. And for what it isn't, you want to have a good, sound, quick argument um, for them. Um, I really wasn't taking anything on directly that, that Dwight had done, so I didn't need to make a fight towards him. And once again, I didn't want to, I didn't want to attack him directly. He's a very powerful man in the county, as well as it ends up he's a friend of my family. My aunt and uncle know him from civic organizations for quite some time. And he is a good man. I met him and talked with him. He's a very good man. He's just a Republican. <laughs> and, uh, but where you can find your research is your, your election board. You can go to your election board as a candidate and pay anywhere from 10 to $20. You can get a list of all of the voters in your district or your county, or your county chair can as well. Some counties are charging more. I think, Rush, you guys paid 30 bucks for your list in Rush County? Was it? Mine was 10. Yeah. It varies from county to county. It's not too terribly expensive. As well as we have our own databases that we can help you out with. Um, look at the returns from the previous elections. Look at what count, where you had low turnout or where uh, you had a higher turnout on Democrats when a Republican ran and vice versa. Um, our database, as well as the election database, you can look at voting history. You can look at swing voters. And that's what we did in the Coleman campaign. They focused on swing voter houses. And we, that's all those, we were out doing canvassing, door-to-door -door canvassing for Ed Coleman campaign. They have, gave us walking list. And what you could do when you go to your county election board and buy these, they'll ask you if you just want a data dump or you want a walking list. I recommend you get a walking list. Because that gives you by precinct and it's a door-to-door. -door. And as you're going down, you can say, check mark, I put a, I put a flyer there or make a note and it's on there right door-to-door. Um, as well as it has their voting history for the last five elections. Um, you want to look at polls, past elections, who you're running against, if there is any history. Um, myself, I just hit the high-density suburban areas in Kokomo. Half of my district was suburban uh, subdivisions. The other half was rural. The subdivisions, I can go door to door. The rural, I gotta drive. Um, I, uh, so there was 8,000 homes. Eight thousand home, eight thousand homes, sixteen thousand registered voters. This was my first pass at my research. Sixteen thousand registered voters, eight thousand homes, twenty precincts. Uh, in two thousand six, 
the uh, uh, winner won it with 4,000 votes, less than 25 percent of the people. That was a high turnout election. This is a map of what uh, my district would have been coming clear into Kokomo. I hit these areas here. I live right about here, right there actually, under that L. And all of these are high-density subdivisions. Um, I started out and with my flyers. As you can see, I, these are done on the cheap. Ten cents a page, three of them on a page. I've got my hook on the front. It's good to get a picture. People look at that. Wow, that's you. You're running. And they're impressed when the candidate comes to their door. They really, really are. On the back, a little bit more information. Not so much about myself, but to get them into the Libertarian Party. So I wasn't so much campaigning for myself, but as well as for Rebecca and Mike Weary. I had their literature with me all the time as well. Um, started hitting these high-density suburbs. Um, I managed to get in... Uh, <coughs> we got six precincts totally covered here in this area. We got another four partially covered, and we didn't get any of the county ones. We just didn't have the time or the help. Um, Kelly came out and helped me. I had four people help me a little bit. End up being, I put about 400 hours in myself uh, between the 1st of September and election. Um, probably about the hardest I ever worked at anything. And it was, I was fired up and, and it was very enthusing. Uh, a lot of people do not like to do the door to door. They're afraid of it. There's nothing to be afraid of. I only, in, in six weeks of hard canvassing and four nights a week doing it, I only had two people, two people that gave me a hard time. Only two. One guy came out the door and followed me down the driveway and said, you know that Andy Horning guy too? What? And the guy's a diehard libertarian. He got ticked off when I told him he was an anarchist. He said, I don't want any government. I want to leave you. Leave me unless you're an anarchist, sir. And he got mad at me and shut the door. To me. Well, he was voting for you anyway. Yeah, he would have. Yeah. Winning, winning voter. But he came down the door after me. He wasn't through yelling at me. But only two. Only two. And the people I talked to by far and large says, it's time for a change. You can put a sign in my yard, and I'll vote for you. Um, and it was a very pleasant experience. It really was. Um, going door to door, um, the first four or five nights, I knocked on every door. Count to 30. Go to the next one. My wife and I counted on average of eight answers, 100, the first four nights we went out. People just don't answer the door, or they're not home, or they think you're a solicitor. So we just started doing what I call paperboy style. We just hung them. Boom, 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 boom. And end up being, we talked to four or five. Because of people coming into their houses, out of their houses, in the yards, raking leaves, or whatever, we end up nearly talking to as many doing that as we did knocking every door. And we got them out twice as fast. Instead of doing 30 or 40 an hour, we were doing... 50, 60, 80 an hour, depending on the density of the homes. you got to be careful there, though, because a lot of these people have invisible fences for their dogs. And I nearly had to shoot a dog. She had me down on my butt, and I had my gun out. But that would have gone over one. That would have gone page one. That would have gone page one. How to win friends and influence people with Jerry Titus. I'm a strong Second Amendment. Mailboxes. Something about a dog growling at your groin is quite unsettling when you've fallen down. But anyway, 
Go ahead, Chris. Uh, and don't put anything in mailboxes or on the mailbox. That's the federal. Yeah, yeah. paper boxes are okay, though. Yeah. Paper boxes are great. They work well. But they probably won't see it, so better do door hangers. But back to marketing. Um, Got to get the word out. People, in their minds, don't give us any credibility until I see our name a couple times or see our faces. And there is a hierarchy there. There's a hierarchy of what they call imprint. And... The lowest imprint is a written word. Above that is a spoken word, radio. Above that is television. And the most effective imprint is one-on-one, -on -one, like right here, right now. You're going to get more out of this seeing me in front of you and, and seeing me in the flesh and blood than you would three months down the road watching you on video. A voter is going to make a faster connection with you if you're shaking their hand and standing in front of them versus hearing you on the radio or seeing you on TV. And since we don't have a lot of money, we're kind of left at that, going out and finding them. Um, so in canvassing, when you can make contact with people, make the most of it. Take the time with them. Ask their concerns. If they're not, you know, they're all great, fine, you want to cut taxes, so what? You know, well, what do you, would you like out of an elected official? I had that happen. I had a young lady coming out of her house as I came up and I gave her my flyer. And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I'd like to cut your property tax. She goes, oh, I don't pay property taxes, I rent. <laughs> I said, yeah, you do. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't get a property tax bill. I said, you pay property taxes. Everybody pays. I said, businesses do not pay taxes. Oh, yeah, I do. My landlord pays the taxes. I said, okay, stop. I said, you own this house and you're the landlord. You get $600 a month for it. You have $100 a month profit. Let's say your taxes go up $100 a month. What are you going to do? So I'm going to raise my rent. <laughs> huh. I guess I do pay property taxes. A lot of people do not understand the basics of their government. She didn't even know what the county council did. Now, one thing I did not get into, and I don't know if we can because it is a private property issue, there were a half a dozen mega apartment complexes in this area that these precincts only had 20 and 30 percent turnout. I didn't get to them. I wish I had. I could find a way. Several of them have no solicitation, no trespassing, private property on them. So you might have to find a right of way to set up in outside, but those are prime picking because they're young people who don't think they pay property taxes, who don't think the government bothers them, that we need to turn out. Yes, Rebecca. I think we found out during Ed's campaign that um, uh, uh, you're not soliciting if you're during the political stuff. Right. Because, yeah. you know, the Democrats and the Republicans are, are, you know, they try and write this so it's to their advantage. Oh, yeah. So they're exempted from, you know, politics is exempted from that no soliciting thing. We're not yeah. selling something. We are selling ourselves, but we're not selling. Well, items. when you see a no solicitation sign on the door, though, it's a pretty good hint. You well, might well, get I a cold shower. If so. I saw it on a, in a individual door, yes. Right. But as far as an apartment complex, no. Yeah, we'll push the edge. I, I ran into that. I knocked, I saw no solicitation on the door. I knocked on the door. When the, when the gentleman came, I said, pardon me, sir, I'm running for political office. I don't know if your sign means I shouldn't knock here or not. He said, it means you shouldn't knock here. I said, please accept my apology. I'll go on to the next house. He said, hold on a minute. What office are you running for? And I had a 10-minute conversation. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. So when you let him know you, you, know, you ask the question, you're more than willing to respect his rules, not mention a word, and immediately leave, then he wants to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Make the most of each one of them. Yeah, yeah. be, be, be respectful. Um, 
uh, and can, like I said, canvassing. Um, another way we want we want to get the word out. Um, write letters to the editor. Respond to requests for information from the newspapers. Um, meet and greets. Tea party. Finally invited me to a tea party for a meet and greet, and I went. And it actually turned out pretty well. Um, League of Women Voters, Chamber of Commerce. Um, we've got a list of groups like that that you can get into. But just be aware, you know, once you put your name out there, start pushing it with these groups. Say, call them up, send them an email. Say, look, do you, the Chamber of Commerce always has, in my area, they have two or three meetings where they invite the candidates in to talk with the general public or the chamber. Um, the Tea Party, they're supposedly nonpartisan. Approach them and ask them for time when they do this if you have an active tea party in your area. Um, tabling, I think Kate Kelly talked about tabling, where you can get into events. Uh, gun shows are great. We do gun shows in Kokomo. Um, home shows, county fair. Um, I had a really, really good turnout at the county fair. Uh, cost about 250 bucks for the booth for the week, which is kind of high for Indiana. A lot of them are a lot cheaper than that. Um, bought balloons, did the world's smallest political quiz. If you're not familiar with the world's smallest political quiz, our Operation Political <coughs> Homeless, which the manuals are on your disc, the OPH manuals are on your disc, um, it's a great icebreaker. Uh, people take the quiz, it's on there, you can see it on there. If you're not familiar with it, check it out. It's a great icebreaker for us. Um, I ran that at the county fair and I got almost 200 names. Look, Kelly. And another thing that the uh, Operation Political Homeless does is it also really confronts the, um, the two-party system fallacy mm -hmm. where because you, those voters realize after they've taken the quiz that they don't align with either party, Republican or Democrat, but rather Libertarian, and they have the whole time. So. Plus it gives you a, a, a foot in the door with the voter because you can look at their answers and say why they are Libertarian because of this. Right. Um, but the main gist there is, is you need to get the, your name out. Rec name recognition is, is game one as best you can. You need to, uh, uh, oh, there's three books that we, we recommend four on our website. There's one that's an e-book, it's 18 Steps to Running for Election, written by Robert Butler. It's a free e-book, it's on your disc, um, and uh, it's a great book. It's got, it's got a lot of questions uh, for you to answer to determine what you want to do, how you want to run your, it's very smart. Um, I got these three books when I went to run in 20, County Council. This one here, How to Win a Local Election by Judge uh, Lawrence Gray. This is excellent. Um, these other two are good. Um, Running for Office by Randall Flo. Can you Falcho. It's Falcho. Falcho. And How to Run for Local Office by Robert Thomas. They're good books, but this is excellent. And I will say if you go to the libertariantrainingcenter.com, and you go there's a, a on, and you hover above manuals and it drops down and you click candidates, candidate manuals, or if you scroll to the bottom, there's a site map. Those books are listed there, and there are several free campaign manuals there. And there's 44 documents on the slide share, and there's a lot of good stuff there too. Mm -hmm. And this book, this, all these are from my local Kokomo library. I was the last person to check them out too, two years ago. <laughs> Serious. Um, name recognition, name recognition, name recognition. There's an old saying, a friend of mine was a car salesman, 
taught me years ago how to remember someone's name, say their name three times in the first minute. And then about 10 years ago, we went through a, a, some training at work, leadership training, and what it was was closing the sale training. And this guy calls it three plus. Uh, important points when you are with, uh, in a negotiating session, repeat the important point three times. Name recognition, name recognition, name recognition. Repeat your name three times to every contact. Ask them, will you please vote for me? And then write their name down. Develop your own list of names and phone numbers to call and get these people out. Like I said, all the folks that told me they would vote for me had, I could very well be councilman types now uh, in a couple more weeks of work. But collect the names. Um, Kelly mentioned earlier phone banking. I did a little bit of phone banking. Actually, I did some uh, polling of my own. And what I found was three-fourths of the phones were disconnected or no answers. People, same thing with their door. They screen, they turn their phones off because they got cell phones now, or they scream. And then like, politics, click, you know? And I, I, I do the same thing. So, you know, um, can't blame them for that. Uh, but develop your own list of people. Ask them, can you bring two more people to the polls? These races can be won. Um, the smaller races, uh, in different ballpark, we start talking state level and federal races. We've got, we've got to change some tactics up there. But like Jeremiah, in your case, you're going to focus on your main population areas, Newcastle. Um, Newcastle, Rushville, Rushville, Knightstown, Hagerstown. Yeah. And you're going to focus on there. You're going to look at issues there, how you can get in their newspapers and get your name recognition going there. Focus where you get your best, best bang for your time. Name recognition, name recognition. Um, talked a little bit about human nature. Why do people vote the way they do? They vote because they like someone or they really fear someone. Um, there is a great report out and it's on your disc too. It's called Beyond Red and Blue, Red versus Blue, Pew Typology. Pew is a research firm down in Texas. I think they're associated with Temple Christian, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're a pretty good. They're funded by George Soros. No, they aren't. Yeah, they are. No, they aren't. They are. You're kidding. Partially. Well, well, I still like them. What do you think? Glenn. The liberal county? Yeah, Glenn Beck said so. Oh, Glenn Beck. Oh, it's got to be true. <laughs> they do this about every 10 years. And it's a comprehensive survey. Political typology of America. And... Um, They found that Americans can be broken down into three main groups, Republicans, Independents, and Democrats. And look at that, Independents are the biggest of the three groups. And then they break the three groups down further with your solid liberals, and here they've got the solid liberals at 14% of the general public. And you look at the top, the staunch Republicans at 9% of the general public. You know, that's gonna flip-flop from cycle to cycle. Now we've got a Democrat in office of solid liberals. Oh, yeah, I'm a solid liberal, you know. Um, this year, 
Yeah, there's some problems with this survey. The libertarian characterized in there is not the libertarians I've ever met. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of issues. The survey is based on like 2,800 people. But all in all, it can give you a very good picture of what you can expect. Um, these people in here, I would say from Main Street Republicans to New Coalition Democrats, and some, some places the hard-pressed Democrats, um, are where we're going to be a focus. The staunch conservatives and solid liberals, um, I don't think there's much chance unless they're voting against more for against someone than they are for us. It's a 160-page report, 159, but it's pretty good, and it breaks them all down. Um, here we look at uh, independence and the topology. Conservative, moderate, uh, the postmoderns. 19% call themselves conservative. So there, there's postmoderns that lean conservative and postmoderns lean liberal, with the most of them a moderate, moderate. <laughs> um, but if you look down here, 35% of the postmoderns prefer government, bigger government services. That's in line with us. But if you look here, 91% um, think the country should do whatever it takes to protect the environment. We might be at odds with them there. So that might be an issue you would avoid if you've identified someone as being a postmodern. With this, I highly recommend you go through this. You can get the meat of it in the first 20 pages, and then after that, it kind of drags on. I can ask here, what's the textbook definition of postmodern? Um, how they do it here? Yeah. Um, find it. Because I know my 21-year-old my son would say I'm certainly postmodern. But I, I don't know if that's the same. Uh, it would say pre-modern. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll have to call it pre Yeah, prehistoric, maybe. In, in some definitions, it's there is no absolute truth. Here we go. It's basic description. Well-educated very liberal on social issues. Postmoderns were strong supporters of Barack Obama in 08, but it turned out at far lower rates in 2010. There's a Democrat that didn't show up, I think, right there. And they're primed for us, our picking. Uh, here's the, how their key beliefs fell out. Countries should do whatever it takes to protect the environment. 70% general public, 90% postmoderns. Governments should do more to help the needy Americans. Only 27% postmoderns. Um, that's, that's something we could, you could use there to your benefit in, in bringing the libertarian vote. Um, country continues to continue, continue making changes to give blacks equal rights. Only 25% postmodern, 45% of the general public. Um, religion is a very important part of my life. Only 42% of postmoderns were 71% of the general public. I want to bring up something here as well. Religion is a very important part of my life. All but two groups said that majority of two groups. And a lot of people aren't going to church anymore because they don't like the way the churches are being run and being politicized. I think there's room for libertarians there to beat the drum about freedom of religion, protecting freedom of religion. I really do. There's a lot of people. A guy at work came up to me talking to me about libertarians. said he hadn't voted in 20 years. And he has a huge problem with, in his, quoting him, holy rollers. 
He said, what would you do? I said, I would protect your rights, believe what you want. You got my vote. A lot of people out there that are not happy with the way religion is going and not happy that their religious beliefs are threatened. And I think there's a big opportunity for libertarians. That I really do. It's a touchy issue, but I think there's an opportunity there. Um, but these are the postmoderns. Um, you can look at these, and like I said, get to know and try to identify from these beliefs the people you're talking to so you know what issues you're strongest on and what issues to stay away from. As well as, like, when Jeremiah's writing to a newspaper in Newcastle, he's probably not going to talk bad about unions a whole lot. Uh, you, want to, you don't want to pick a fight you can't win. He's going to want to know, you know, what, what is the breakdown of the Democrats? Are they hard-pressed Democrats? Hard-pressed Democrats in here are, uh, I think, 60% women. Um, here's our libertarians. Just for uh, grins. Um, see these here. Seventy-nine percent of libertarians polled here stricter environmental laws and cost to each other. Okay, that's right. Uh, and now here we go. Eighty-three percent of these libertarians polled felt corporations make a fair and reasonable profit. Right. I don't know. What I agree with that. Um, one thing that I know is going through this here, um, the groups in the middle, their primary uh, lifestyle feature, nearly a quarter follow NASCAR. The hard-pressed Democrats, the disaffected, the libertarians, I believe. That's sporting event. And that's something I never thought of, is us getting into automotive sports. And it just happened, so happened the same week I was reading this, a fellow called me up and said there's a race car driver who's volunteered to put our candidates' names on the side of his car when he races at Anderson. Um, so that might be an idea for us to get out in front of a new group of people with sporting events. And we're going to be playing into it. And by the way, our demographics in Indiana, 80% of our members are between the ages of 25 and 50 and are white male. We'd like to change that demographic out and expand it out. We, I really would, personally. But this is a great, great resource tool. Let's start, try to wrap it up here. There's a, like I said, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of good resources. I put a lot on there. Uh, there's a lot of inf extra information. There's Andy Horning's Constitutions are on your disk. Um, you've got all of Chris's documents in the zip file. Um, You've got some flyers in, uh, in it from, here, I'll put this over here. This is uh, the disc I gave out. I'll get some more for people who didn't get it. You've got the, the Pew Research paper I just showed you. And then I, I pulled out just the groups. And uh, somehow made a PS phone. I'm not sure what that is. Um, here is um, 2008, 2009 are two sheets from the budget in Howard County just so you could take a look at Really, it means eleven. Here's the 18 steps to win a local election ebook. Uh, Guide to Indiana County Government. That's from the state. Uh, Declaration of Independence. Andy's Constitutions. Our outreach piece. This is um, outreach piece that um, um, Ryan is going to give you here in a minute. Your Operation Political Homeless. These are great too. 
These give you great information on working a tabling event and working the public. If you don't run the Operation Public by Homeless, I recommend you read that. Um, the Rothfeld on Politics, Elements of Successful Public. These are documents that I've picked up over the last couple of years I thought would be of help to other activists or candidates. Then um, there's uh, uh, video activism resources. If you can get a camcorder, you should. Get a YouTube channel up for your campaign. Put videos on it. There's some good resources in there. Um, all of Chris's information is in here from that zip file. Valency appointment, your forms. Um, is there a voter registration form on there? Yep. Uh, here's uh, some flyers from uh, the LP that I downloaded. Uh, just familiarize your. The reason I download is I went through these and read through them to try to pick out bullet points for my flyers. Picked out information to build my flyers and it's not showing up here. Um, leadership. I've got some articles here on, on leadership. Um, I spent six years in the military and I thought it was the best leadership training I ever had until I became a Boy Scout leader and I got even better leadership training because they stole it from them. Seriously, they did. Um, there's a group called White Stag Leadership Training in California. Um, critical thinking. It's been a bane of mine for a long time. It's a dead art in the United States. Um, I thought it was dead completely until I joined the Libertarian Party, actually. Um, and that's something I think that does distinguish us from others. You will find critical thinkers naturally in the drawn to the Libertarian Party. Um, Leadership 101 is uh, just some... Uh, I don't... Uh, let me open this. I'm not sure which document this is. Um, no, this isn't my document. This is one I found. It was a pretty good one. Where I found these was uh, the Air Force Mil uh, uh, Military College has uh, an online reference that has hundreds of documents you can download. And I think this is one of them from there. <coughs> um, and then uh, under miscellaneous stuff, um, autobiography of Benjamin Franklin, Alinsky Tactics, you should read that. There's some stuff you can use, and there's some stuff that will be used on you. Really, seriously. Uh, okay, good deal. is the one that, it, that you know first ignore your opponent. Economics in one lesson, Henry Hazlitt. Uh, dictatorship to democracy. Gene Sharp wrote this. He actually has been nominated for a Nobel Prize. This was the blueprint for the Arab Spring. This guy is a very sharp guy, political science at Harvard. Um, Gold Economic Freedom by Ron Paul from 1972. History of Coin and Currency, John Stuart Mill. Jury nullification. If you know anything about jury nullification, you should as a libertarian. Leonard Reed, founder of Foundation Economic Education. Fee, great man. Uh, Away for Freedom's Sake is a great book. And then down here, you're going to find. Uh, don't tell me how to put it on here. Um, hopefully it's in the other one. We wrote another book called Elements of Libertarian Leadership. And it's not, here we go, no? Well, if you go to my Facebook page, you can find it there. I've got a link to it, and I can get it to you. It's a great book. It's written in 1961, and he was one of the first ones that said, up to 1960s, we were called liberals because our descent, our, our, 
our heritage back to classic liberalism. He said, I don't want to be called liberal anymore. Liberal has become a bad word. We're really libertarians. And he coined it in this document, Elements of Libertarian Leadership, 1961. But there's some other books in here, um, e-books, uh, a few of my library I thought you might be, might be uh, interested in. Um, and with that, I'll take questions from the audience. No questions? I've got one. Go ahead. Um, looking back, hindsight, mm -hmm. uh, is there anything that you could have done different in your campaign that you think would have assured? Got started earlier, that's for sure. Really, uh, I really humped it hard from middle September, October. Um, I ended up with 21% of the vote. Um, I spent $2,300 of that, about 2000 of money. I'm not very good at asking for money. You need to get better at asking for money and help. Um, I set up a schedule and I invited people and they didn't show up. It was kind of discouraging because I had over 100 people that I worked with in the Ron Paul campaign in 08 locally that didn't show up. And that's kind of typical. You're going to find that. Um, you're going to find three or four people that will volunteer to help, but usually those people are doing all kinds of other stuff too. Um, family, twist their arm, but get started early. Um, have uh, uh, as many public events as you can. A booth at your county fair, any any um, city events, festivals you have, get out there, write letters to the editor, go to your city council meeting, your county council meeting, get a name for yourself there as a public leader. Um, hit every house. Um, I divided my money up. First money I got, I, I committed to spend was buying my flyers and my signs. That was the most important thing, getting my flyers out to every house and my sons. That was about $300. And then I started committing some more money. Well, I talked the wife into let me spend some more money. <laughs> and bought more signs and then advertising. I ended up spending about $600 in ad newspaper ads. And Ryan's going to talk a bit about this. The newspapers totally ignored me until I went to them talking about giving them money. Once I started talking about spending money with them, they were calling me. And I was giddy when the assistant editor and political reporter for the paper called me up and talked to me for an hour and a half. And then I hung up like, oh shit, what did I say? <laughs> What's going to be in the paper? End up being, he only printed like three, three sentences. But it was a very good conversation. We know each other first name basis now. He's very friendly to me. He's called me up a couple times for my opinion. I mean, it's just a matter of making that connection there with him. When you show up at a public event, do you just bring flyers with you and dress sort of? I would dress for the occasion. You know, uh, I take these. A lot of people didn't like. A lot. You'll find a lot of libertarians, and we don't force it. Don't want to, for whatever reason, put libertarian on it. I do. Like I said, I wasn't just out there for myself, but for Rebecca and Mike Weary. Um, uh, the Tea Party meeting I talked about. I had went to their first one, and I uh, I was I'm a, I'm an honest money guy. I wrote uh, Indiana Honest Money Act. I, well, I write it. I rewrote it for Indiana from New Hampshire bill. And I know some of the people who are in there. And I went to their first meeting. I said, Look, there's a lot I'd like to talk to you about. I'd like to explain libertarianism. There's a lot of common ground here. 
they never called me back. Um, I got kind of identified by them as being one of those libertarians. Actually, I was in a meeting and the guy, eight or ten times, Chris, he said, the libertarians are here. Yeah. The libertarians are here. And I held my arm up at that meeting for 30 minutes and never got called on. But finally, though, I did get into, they called me to come participate in their, their candidate meet and greet. And what they did was they had tables on each side of the gymnasium and they had local candidates, state candidates, and federal candidates. And local candidates got two minutes because there was like 40 of us, not well, 30 of us. And then state candidates got four minutes and federal candidates got like seven because there's only three of them. And I was the first one up. You know, whoa, here I am, green, and I just, you know, I want to cut your taxes. I want transparency in government. I want to know what, I, one thing that was big to me that I want to know I couldn't find when I was researching, what employees, part-time employees in the county got full-time benefits. I heard there were quite a few, and I wanted to know that I couldn't find it. And I said that, you know, and... Uh, Thank you very much. You know, I'm a field engineer. I've lived in Kokomo 20 years. Gave a little bit about, you know, as a Boy Scout leader for seven years, a little bit of biography. You want to try to make a character connection. Uh, that's something I want to talk about. The Greeks, the Greeks said there's three ways to convince someone. Ethos with your ethics. Logos with logic. Pathos with your building a common uh, connection between you two. They can empathize with you. Um, the best thing you can do is use all three of those. Build a common connection. Display your character and use logic. Ethos, pathos, logos. Um, you get up in front of a group like that, you want to give them a little bit about you so they understand you're a real person, you're not some pot-smoking anarchist who's going to break their windows, you know. Here's a guy that was a scout leader for seven years. You're a libertarian, you know. Ends up being about all the boys that were in my scout troop now are libertarians. Um, um, but um, from that, the county commissioners got up, and one of the county commissioners, very contentious race, um, the incumbent got up and said, Mr. Tyus made a great point. There are 50 attorneys in Howard County who collect full-time medical and full-time retirement benefits for doing two cases a year, public defenders. 50 of them. 50 of them. That is still an open issue in Howard County. 50 of them do two cases a year and get full health care and full, full benefits from the county. So then his opponent gets up and says, I want to take care of his opponent owns a real estate agency. Who won? He won. Paul Wyman is his name. He got up there and he goes, we've got a big problem in Howard County. 30% of home sales last year were foreclosures or short sales. And that figure had not come out from anyone to that point. Um, which led me to... Um, do some research in our county on uh, home sales and taxes. And our taxes and had gone up or our revenue had gone down. I'm not going to bring it up. You can go check out this stuff here. Um, like I said, anything you see, um, here, here was results. My last post of my blog, I got 1,400 votes to his 5,300, 21%. Um, and he, he, he congratulated me. He said, I, I did, a, did very well. Um, Mr. Wyman was quite rude to me at League, League of Women Voters. Uh, I had not been on the political scene. He came up to me. Uh, he's the chief neocon in the county. Who are you? Why do you think you can get involved in politics? What have you ever done? And my opponent was standing there. And after he left, my opponent apologized. 
He says, I know, I know your reputation. He says, I know you're a good man. He says, there's no reason for him to treat you like that. Um, and if I had, had been adversarial to Dwight, he wouldn't have done that to me, I don't think. But I, I was pretty proud of my efforts. But to, to answer back to your question, Brock, um, what would I have done differently? Um, gone to more county, city count, county council meetings, written more letters to the editor, gotten started canvassing, focused on those high-density high areas I was telling you about. Uh, the lower-density areas in the county, we have a weekly newspaper that is very much more reasonable than the daily to put advertising in, and it goes free to every home in the county. I would focus my advertising in there. Um, that's something else you got to consider when you pick your office to run for. Uh, for example, if you're going to run for at-large on city council uh, or county council, you know, you're going to be paying to advertise the whole county, or if you're going to run for a district, you're going to advertise for one district in the county. Um, radio, I, I don't know if, are you going to talk about radio? Okay, I won't talk about radio. Radio is very cheap for politics, it really is. Um, you want to work up some 30 second ads. Um, and that's it, unless there are any questions. Thank you.